Welcome to the Classical U podcast. I'm Jesse Hake. I'm the director at Classical U. Classical U is a subsidiary of Classical Academic Press, a curriculum and monograph publishing company. At Classical U, we provide training for teachers and parents interested in learning more about classical education, how to deliver this method in your classrooms, in your homes. I mostly spend time talking with presenters and live learning event guests, and we look forward to sharing more with you as you tune in. Thank you. It is so great to have you back with us, Danielle, you and your family, or four of your children anyway, and uh, recording with you two years ago, and uh, your husband and uh, a few more of your children um, was just a delightful experience. Uh, It still feels like yesterday in many ways, and uh, so it's been great to catch up with you a little bit and um, to introduce you to our podcast listeners. Um, You are a homeschool mother. And you have a degree in education, but uh, right out of the gate as a young married couple decided you were going to homeschool, you were inspired. You tell some of this story in our course, The mm-hmm. Golden Thread, mm-hmm. um, but inspired uh, by some experiences and a return to the faith that you had grown up with. Um, you're one of, actually, the, I think the first person I met who's African-American Catholic <laughs> in a multi-generation, which is uh, kind of a rare um, and, and remarkable thing. So I, I love your uh, so many aspects of your story and what you bring to uh, educators. And um, some of what we're talking about today isn't really, you know, just for homeschoolers. Um, and I don't think your course is either, although you're a home educator and, uh, you know, you speak um, brilliantly about bringing all aspects of life together. Um, you're really talking about things that are at the heart of what an educator needs to be in the right place and to operate in any kind of, you know, whether it's a classical charter school, uh, you know, faith-based uh, Christian classical school mm-hmm. or homeschool. So um, I, I think there's application across those those lines. But um, you're uh, from New Orleans and uh, long, uh, you know, multi-generations there and uh, almost your entire life um, yes. in, in New Orleans, returning there after uh, basically just college in Florida, I mm-hmm. believe. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, a pleasure and a delight, and we'll get into uh, a little bit uh, retreat that we've uh, been cooking up together and am um, excited about as yes. well. So um, thank you so much. And to start out, would, would your um, introduction to your course be uh, two years later? How would you introduce uh, The Golden Threat? Well, thank you, thank you, Jesse, and um, just know that I'm I'm one of thousands in New Orleans who are black and multi generational Catholic. <laughs> but uh, I just need to get out more. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the course it was such a wonderful experience; it truly was, and it was so beautifully done. Um, just kudos to Cap and the editing and video team; it was a beautiful um, course. In the course, um, I discussed the questions and how I the golden thread incorporates um, all of human history, human experience. It guides us deeper. The golden thread course, um, it really w- comes out of my homeschooling um, experience as a mother, as a teacher, as a leader in the community and um, student of Christian classical education, um, the different experiences that I had that made me um, uh, 
helped me to synthesize the different books that I've read in classical education and to try to put into practice with my children in the way that was um, doable <laughs> by a mother of six children. And I loved the ideas of following, uh, of, of using um, questions as a guide to help you to think more deeply about nature, purpose, and propriety, to help you to, um, to help me to be able to play with the tools of the liberal arts in a way that would be um, applicable in a one-room schoolhouse. Mm -hmm. So the questions that came out of that can sort of happened over time that I used in the course, um, guiding questions that helped us to guide um, our readings for the year. You know, as we lived our lives, I'm a working homeschool mom mm -hmm. um, with different levels of children and with activities. And so the guiding questions helped me to keep um, things within the framework. So the questions of who do you say I am, who is my neighbor, can anything good come out of Nazareth, Must what must I do to inherit eternal life? Um, it was just that golden, those questions helped us to follow the golden thread that weaves all people, places, and times together mm. because it's that which is universal in all of the hum of human story. And that, that thread helps to guide me to stay on track, to help my students stay focused and on track to point to what is good, true, and beautiful. And that it was a that is the imprint of the creator that guides us back home. And so it's it's the the lifeline that tethered us mm -hmm. <laughs> in our homeschooling through the with to the education that we're trying to receive and to help me to remember why I'm doing it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's very holistic and integrating yes. and uh, liberating. I've had people give feedback with the course that mm -hmm. uh, you know they couldn't imagine uh, you know that uh, six children working <laughs> and uh, and to have something that um, gives you a tether. Mm -hmm. And integrates and keeps you uh, returning to the fundamentals right. um, is actually liberating and empowering. So, thank you. The um, you know, as two years have gone by, you've been reflecting on these themes, continuing in the journey of your own, uh, you know, homeschool educating. What are some um, insights or some additional material that you'd be interested to, um, you know, add add or uh, new new themes that have that have come up for you? Um. I want to talk about like what some people have asked me like well where did the golden thread come from it's not I didn't create the term golden thread um, in Greek mythology the golden thread is often associated with the thread that leads one out of a state of confusion like um, you know what the Greek names is always <laughs> you got to think about how to pronounce it but um, Arians Arianes Erinese's mm -hmm. <laughs> thread that led Theseus um, out of the labyrinth. Mm -hmm. That's one example of a golden thread mm -hmm. in mythology. Another example would be um, one might associate the golden thread with the length of one's life or one's destiny mm -hmm. that is cut short by the fates or just cut by the fates. Mm -hmm. For me, in Christian classical education, I'm referring to the golden thread that guides, directs, and weave together all people's places and times. And we want 
um, to teach our students to be able to find the golden thread and to follow it. So follow the thread that's guiding, directing, and weaving. Um, the thread, the golden thread can be found in the great community of recorded human experience. Wendell Berry, whom I, I found out about through classical studies, mm -hmm. classical education studies. Wendell Berry in his essay on um, Wallace Stegner and the great community states that the community here, that of the great community, mm -hmm. the community here is that of recorded human experience, not the pantheon of great writers. It is immense and diverse, more like the Library of Congress than the Harvard five-foot shelf. It does include the great writers. It is bewildering both in its amplitude and the eminence of some of its members. A teacher leading his students to the entrance of, to that community, as would be contributors to it, must know that both he and they are coming to the possibility of error. <laughs> the teacher may make mistakes about the students. The students may make much more serious ones about themselves. He is leading them, moreover, to a community, not to some singular stump or wash, rostrum from which he would declare the truth. So I remember reading um, What People Are For. The essay is found in the book, What People Are For. And I was thinking, that to me is the golden thread. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, it's incorporating this idea that we are weaving, it's, it's much larger <laughs> This recorded human experience is really big and hard for us to handle. And that's why I said, well, what a thread. I mm -hmm. can follow it. I can enter into that community mm -hmm. by staying on this <laughs> singular thread. Mm -hmm. Now it makes it more approachable yeah. that I can enter and be okay with error. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Beauty in the Word, Stratford Caldecott refers to the liberal arts as the golden thread that comes from the Greeks, from Pythagoras who, like many of his time, studied the ancient knowledge of the Egyptians and um, his successors, both Islamic and Christian, especially St. Augustine, who was a Romanized North African Berber, a thread that weaves its way. This is still Caldecott. That Caldecott is saying the golden thread is a thread that weaves its way through the history of our civilization. These arts, the liberal arts, were intended for the cultivation of freedom and the raising of our humanity to its highest possible level. And later on, Caldecott states, the collective memory of the society to which we belong has the name tradition. We cannot truly be at home without one. The word derives from trans, which is over and dare to give. In every society or civilization, a process takes place that can be called a handing over of the stories, the knowledge, the accumulated wisdom of one generation to the next, it is the process that makes each new generation into a source of wisdom for the one that follows. And it takes place generally within the family. What is handed over is a gift. It is not simply a bundle of property whose title deed is being transferred to the next generation. Rather, it carries within it something of the giver. Its transmission is an act of love. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> So this thread that is weaving together this great community that incorporates all of recorded human experience <laughs> <laughs> that we are passing on. You need, um, you need help when you, when you dropped in that pool. <laughs> right, that we are handing over the stories, the knowledge, accumulated wisdom from one generation to the next. Mm -hmm. And that is truly a gift yep. to be a part of that tradition. 
that process and that it happens within families and that it carries within something of the giver is wow. truly yeah. a transmission, an act of love. And I was like, wow. So in thinking back about the course and in its application, like, yes, we can use, you know, when teachers, when you're trying to offer teachers to just like, what do I, where's the worksheet? Where's the guy? <laughs> just tell me what I'm supposed to do. What's the plan? It's like, yes, you can use these questions, but the questions really become transformative. The tradition becomes transformative. The tradition becomes liberating when it is truly a transmission um, is transmitted as an act of love. Mm -hmm. So the passing on of stories, knowledge, wisdom within the great community, within all of human, recorded human experience is an act of love empowered by love and incarnated through love. Caldecott states, love is the beginning and end of education because love is the way we become more human. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now you're preaching. You <laughs> <laughs> become more human. Mm -hmm. Also, the ability to think critically and for oneself is part of this tradition, this education that we're trying to hand over, but not in separation from the moral virtues, mm -hmm. conceptual and dialectical thought is not the highest activity of man, mm -hmm. which when you're talking about grammar, logic, and rhetoric, quadrivium and tri the trivium <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and teachers yeah we tend to think the highest you know activity is to finish the book yeah, yeah. <laughs> or to have the data the scores only mm -hmm. like we start to lose sight mm -hmm. and call this i call the kind of saying but the highest thing actually is to give way before contemplation mm -hmm. and the development of the spirit through love. Mm. So this summer I really was um, grappling with um, the golden thread and what I meant in the course because I had an encounter with a woman at a um, conference this summer and um, in one of the breakout sessions she was lamenting the fact that it is impossible for her to teach from a state of rest and love and to encourage wonder in her classroom because of the pace and demands of the curriculum, mm -hmm. administration, and the system that she was in. Yeah. And then my very own sister called me just last week to mm -hmm. vent from her classroom. She's mm -hmm. whispering on the phone to me. <laughs> <laughs> She's like calling, whispering, venting like about the very same thing. Mm -hmm. And she says that, you know, her charter school is using a scripted classical curriculum where she was supposed to spark wonder <laughs> from a script in mm -hmm. a class, in the, Actually, from um, in the library that's being shared by other people. So they're not even in the classroom by themselves. Mm -hmm. So it's not a quiet place. or mm -hmm. And you can't go off the script. So she, my sister, um, incredibly screamed like, how? She's like, how? <laughs> when? And they're, you know, the, the day is jam-packed mm -hmm. full of things that need to be done. And under what conditions and what, what, what tools are she supposed to use with this? Mm -hmm. And I knew she didn't really want, well, I don't, I knew she wasn't looking for me to have a definite answer. <laughs> yeah. She didn't need another script. <laughs> no, she, didn't. she did not. After hanging up with her, you know, she's like, I have to go. <laughs> she's like, I got to go back. <laughs> I can hear the children. Like people were still around her. Um, but after prayerfully hearing my sister and remembering the tears from the lady at the conference, there was tears at the conference. Mm -hmm. I realized, you know, that. Saying anything like in that moment was not was not enough. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I did have suggestions Mm -hmm. for my sister and the lady at the conference. And I knew that they um, would fall short from what they really was see- what they really were seeking. Mm-hmm. Um, so the rest, the wonder, the love that they needed and sought for their students. Because one of the things my sister said is that she knows she's failing her students, mm-hmm. and not that she is failing. Like it's not that she's a bad teacher. Mm-hmm. The whole system is failing the children, mm-hmm. and she was sad for the children and for us as a society Mm -hmm. and um and that what they what they needed what my sister and the lady from the conference needed and sought for their students and for themselves and in their classrooms could only come from a contemplative practice of a sacramental vision of the golden thread in the classroom Mm -hmm. so going beyond the questions or following those questions the source of those questions Mm -hmm. (laughs) i should Mm -hmm. say so, yes, contemplative. What do I mean by that? So, I mean being rooted in praying without ceasing. So, in Carmelite spirituality, which is from medieval times, <laughs> it actually has roots in um, actually ancient times, but um, really became popular in Europe during the Middle Ages. In Carmelite spirituality, it's expressed you, as... You have experience... Yes. Yes. Okay. So <laughs> I am um, a part of a Carmelite community. I'm a part of the secular, the discalced secular Carmelites. Okay. Secular mm-hmm. meaning non-religious. So I'm not a uh, professed nun or anything mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. that. No bias. That I am trying to live out my my faith in Christ, um, modeled after um, some Carmelite saints like mm-hmm. St. Teresa of Avila, St. Therese of Lisieux, St. Mm-hmm. John of the Cross, St. Teresa Benedicta, also known as Edith Stein, St. Elizabeth Trinity. Um, How many years have you been? Uh, so this? it's a beautiful thing. I'm still in practice. It's a six-year formation process. Okay. And it's beautiful because it constantly reminds me of classical education in that um, – you know, you just don't sign up and join something and say, yeah, I, I'm, I'll am i be that. <laughs> and, then, and then you read a book and yeah. you're that. <laughs> yeah. The script doesn't get you there. Right. The script no. doesn't get you there. And often <laughs> as teachers and parents, it takes time. It takes thought and prayer and to actually start to see, to see the shape of the fruit that you're trying to come to fruition. And even at the end of that six-year process where I make a promise mm-hmm. to, to say I will live a Christ-centered life mm-hmm. of prayer and contemplation, that my studies do not end there mm-hmm. and that I still need to meet in community. Mm-hmm. So even though we are non, um, that we are working people, people who have lives and families, we mm-hmm. still have to meet in community once a month mm-hmm. around others who are trying to live the same faith experience mm-hmm. and we get together and pray and socialize and um, read and discuss mm-hmm. the way mm-hmm. that we are um, seeking to live out our faith. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you for asking that. <laughs> I did interrupt as you were going right. to apply. All right. I usually skip over because it seems so like, what? You're in a religious <laughs> No, that's good because uh, you're going to give us some of the practices. Yeah, yeah. so in Carmelite spirituality, so contemplation, 
ultimately it's a gift of God and karma light spirituality that God, um, that you actually can experience union with God through mm-hmm. prayer and have a, a, a real experience. Um, but karma light contemplative prayer is expressed as turning our gaze again and again to God present within our very heart, knowing that he is always near loving and guiding us. So it's learning how to practice the presence of God throughout your whole day and just turning, turning, turning back to him, your gaze, your love, your affection, knowing to whom you're speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a, a contemplative way of um, following a golden thread. It's to be rooted in prayer without ceasing and constantly turning your gaze back to God. So O'Leary, in another book that inspired me, O'Leary in Begin With The Heart tells us the heart that lives in the school of the spirit learns to discover a sacramental imagination. He can express itself, it can express itself in many ways, in reason and poetry, in silence and in life, ordinary and heroic. The sacramental imagination is the eye which sees all things in Christ and traces the lines of his work, even in the darkest moments and the desert places. It has courage and it has truth. It is not, not some sort of enchantment which the Christian events, Christian events as some sort of protective mantra against a hostile emptiness. It is truly the vision of faith, because it sees God's faithfulness at work and knows how to wait upon him. A sacramental vision of the golden thread gives us a new way of seeing and understanding, a new way of being, and maybe even opening up this way for others through faith. So the traceable works of Christ become apparent all around us, in others, in nature, and in the great community, and thus enchanting it all. <laughs> so it's not a made-up enchantment. Mm-hmm. It is the reality that we are in an enchanted world mm-hmm. <laughs> because of God's grace. Mm-hmm. So the sacrament of vision can give you the eyes to see the wonder. Mm-hmm. That's really there. <laughs> That's really there. Yeah. yeah. So a contemplative um, practice that I learned from a recent weekend retreat I attended entitled heart is where the home is instead of home is where the heart is Mm -hmm. heart is where the home is um that i think teachers like my sister and the lady from the conference can begin in their teaching practice to consider and so at this retreat i went on this weekend we um it was a silent retreat a guided silent retreat so we have a, um, a guide who presents um, sort of workshops, <laughs> mm-hmm. maybe four time. We have four sessions of, um, of workshops. And then um, we have a lot of time for prayer mm-hmm. and um, contemplation of just prayerfully seeking God or doing whatever you want to do. It's, it's really not a program, but we do worship together. We mm-hmm. do have a um, reconciliation reconciliation service together mm-hmm. and um the weekend is meant to for you to to listen to god in the silence mm-hmm. and so the workshops that you go to can help you um you can use the workshop as a guide to pray with god to hear what he is speaking to you or you're free to just do your own thing mm-hmm. 
as a place of rest. Um, so teachers, I think this workshop, when I was hearing it, I told the, um, there's a priest who led it. I told him that I would use his talk. At, I would talk about it at this podcast. <laughs> He's like, please do. He's actually a professor at the seminary. Um, so he had four, he had three areas of the heart that he talked about. Um, the purpose and capacity of our hearts, the structure and receptivity of our heart, and the movement and sending forth at heart. I'm not going to mm-hmm. talk into detail. It was a whole weekend of things, mm-hmm. but I do want to give the highlights that I, I was like, this is so great that teachers, this is something teachers and parents can actually practice for themselves. Mm-hmm. Because I called the concept, we were giving, it's a gift of the, part of the giver yep. is in the gift. Yep. So we are extending ourselves in ways. That's why we're tired. <laughs> that's, why <you're, laughs> that's why you're frustrated. You're giving yourself. Because you're giving of yourself. Mm-hmm. So thinking about the purpose and capacity of our hearts. Envision your heart as a home for others. Imagine what your heart looks like as a home. Mm. And this was a beautiful thing. He was like, meditate on the icon of the Annunciation or just the scripture, Luke 1, verse 26 to 38 on the angel Gabriel coming to Mary to mm-hmm. announce that she will be the mother of the Lord. Meditate on that, on the receptivity of the heart. And he went into detail about the heart being the symbol of the entire person, the center of human life, of our will, of our temperament, of our being, um, and that our hearts have the capacity to receive others' hearts and that God wants to love through us. And that the home as a heart is the place where we can be seen, known, and loved. Where we receive nurturing and belonging. It's a place of rest. It's a place where we intercede for others. It's where we experience um, the presence of God. And then thinking about the structure and receptivity of the heart. So the heart pumps blood. It's mm-hmm. our life. It's our um, life. It's our the engine of our bodies. But mm-hmm. if our heart stopped pumping, we wouldn't we would cease living. But our heart receives blood, mm-hmm. <laughs> pump, and it holds the blood, mm-hmm. and it pumps it out, right? Mm-hmm. So um, we need to, in thinking about the structure and res- receptivity of the heart, there are some habits that were mentioned that we can um, develop to help to receive. So develop the habits of seeing, listening, being, and feeling. I was like, this is mm-hmm. so appropriate <laughs> teachers of Christian classical education. Mm-hmm. So in seeing, developing the habit of seeing that your eyes are connected to your heart. Right? <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Mm-hmm. But our eyes are connected to our heart. Mm-hmm. It's how we receive others into ourselves. Mm-hmm. It was wow. it's so rich. If I had if we had more time. <laughs> <laughs> Is actually in seeing we receive others into ourselves. Mm. So it's like meditate on the Father's eyes. How mm. does the Father God see mm-hmm. us? Mm-hmm. How can we see as God sees? So with your students, mm-hmm. um, perceive as God perceives. Pay attention and see others. And I can tell you as a mother of six children, sometimes I, I'm i calling children by different names, which <laughs> drives them crazy. I have, uh, so in my home, I have three children left at home. 
two girls and a boy. And I'm looking at the boy and I'm naming all the girls before I get to his <laughs> name. And he was there. I'm, I'm a boy. You still say girl name. Can't even get the gender <laughs> right. <laughs> because I'm not really seeing him. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I know I have all these other things going mm-hmm. on that I'm distracted from seeing. Mm-hmm. Even though he's right in front of me and I'm looking in his direction. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that amazing? You're not receiving him. Exactly. Yeah. Um, the second habit. So first habit of seeing. And then the habit of listening to a tune. And to show interest in others, to practice empathetic listening by validating feelings and offering no solutions or unsolicited advice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think this is it's probably one of the hardest things to do, especially as parents of or teachers of teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fount- uh, fountains of unsolicited advice. Right. Uh, so The next habit would be the habit of being. Practice being with others by being present in the presence of others, Mm -hmm. which will help us to see, which will help us to listen. But practice being with others in the present, by being present in the presence of others. Um, And then the last habit is the habit of feeling, which is empathy. Mm -hmm. Feel with others, being vulnerable, Mm -hmm. delight in receiving others. And so I'm thinking about teachers like my sister in the classroom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I know she's she would probably say, I don't have time to do any of these. <laughs> but it's a way of being, and these are habits that you would practice every moment of your life outside mm-hmm. the classroom. And you could just focus on one thing at a time, like mm-hmm. seeing the students that are in front of you and mm-hmm. speaking directly to them. I can almost guarantee, I know in my own home, when and I'm sure we all have experienced this. When you give somebody, especially a child, your full attention, mm-hmm. even if you came down to their level, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it can stop tantrums in their track. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Once the child really knows that you see them, mm-hmm. it's like they they relax, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, or they collapse into your arms. They throw mm-hmm. themselves up. They want you to receive them. Mm-hmm. So I, I do believe that your day can slow down, even though the clock is still ticking, <laughs> if you mm-hmm. try to practice some of these habits. The third is the movement of the heart, movement and sending forth of the heart. So blood pumps into our heart and blood pumps out of our heart. In that, we have to be willing to um, hold on loosely and let our children um, go. And that... Oh, I didn't want us to just go back a step in developing these habits, the homework. So he would give us homework at this retreat. So the first homework was to um, meditate on the Annunciation. The second, when considering um, the structure and receptivity of the heart of receiving, developing habits to receive others, was the visitation. I thought that was so beautiful when Mary visits Mm -hmm. Elizabeth and... um, the receiving of um, of that interaction, and then this third step of the movement, the movement in the heart and sending forth that happens in the heart, is um, Mary at the foot of the cross. Mm. Wow! Right. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so um, of being able to 
to let go. Um, and that we cannot hold on to our students, um, that we cannot hold on, we can't hold them back, <laughs> that we can't, that we have to trust in the the process of the way that we're going. So like the, the way of the cross, like there was a process in there and we have to trust that there is something out of our abilities to give that the students will have the opportunity to receive. Um, and that, that that there's a distinction between um, poverty and neediness. A broken heart is a hollowed out space that's created by God to create a poverty, a meaning, a, a, an emptiness that love can fill. <laughs> and transform, if that makes any sense. The I, the ability to be able to, that I remember us discussing this, that this broken heart that's kind of hollowed out space created by God, that it gives us the ability to love, to say, I love you, but I don't need anything from you. Mm-hmm. That it's unconditional love. And that you understand what you're responsible for and it helps you to set up boundaries for it and that I love you, but I don't need anything from you. And so this priest who had also been the college campus minister, who's now teaching in a seminary, he was saying that a lot of most of his young adults and he was in campus ministry for 11 years. So he's like hundreds of students. He said all of them felt as though that their parents' love was conditional that it was they had to have the right grades mm-hmm. they had to have the right way of looking <laughs> mm-hmm. and acting and thoughts and things that a lot of young people don't feel like they're free to become themselves mm-hmm. and um that was really striking yeah. and it's like it makes you really think do, do my children know it even my students because I, I think in the classroom even Children always want love. Every human being wants to be loved and seen everywhere at all times. Um, But I think if the students know that you love them as they are and that you don't, so it's not, so I know one of the disciplinary systems can be like these cards where you're on green. If you've been good all day, your card is green. (laughs) And then the teacher might turn it to yellow. And I don't know if this is in classical schools, but... (laughs) I know we all have some type yeah. of disciplinary system yeah. in the schools. Yeah. So the children learn to either to cooperate with the system. Mm-hmm. But I think ultimately we want the children to be intrinsically motivated to right. be able to choose what is right for them right. <laughs> because it's the right thing to do. But then, too, there are some children where it's harder for them to comply to the discipline of the classroom that because their card is always on red, they say, forget the cards. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> then the system becomes meaningless to them. Yeah. <laughs> and they're just going to be themselves, <laughs> uh, do what they want to do, mm-hmm. however you want to look at it, because they can't appease you. Right. Nothing they do works. And then it's like they're always caught. Like, you don't catch them when they're doing good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're caught mm-hmm. when they're doing something bad. Mm-hmm. And so they learn how to um, dispose of the system. Mm-hmm. And so if teachers learned how to love without needing anything from their student, 
I think that can um, really affect the discipline and the, just the atmosphere in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of another homework we were given is to um, meditate on um, the ascension of Jesus. So when he had to leave his friends, when he had to leave his mother, he had to leave his fledgling church, <laughs> mm-hmm. and how um, what what does that look like for us in our lives when we have to when we do our work when we um, <clears throat> try to do all the things that we're tasked to do, and then entrusting God in the formation and development of our children. Mm-hmm. And that these children can now go on and be who they're called to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that some of these practices done teachers can do in their lives outside of the classroom because you're bringing yourself, your whole self into the classroom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So who you are outside the classroom is who you are in the classroom. And so if you learned how to... Um, to think of your heart as a place of um, refuge, mm-hmm. as a place of uh, the tent of meeting. That's one mm-hmm. as your heart as a sanctuary, mm-hmm. um, not just for yourself but for others. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it can greatly impact um, your ability to be able to teach at rest. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I think the golden thread moving with those questions is also also about called cultivating um a contemplative um view mm-hmm. <laughs> practice and attitude mm-hmm. goes along with that so we have to have a sacramental way of seeing ourselves and our students and our practice mm-hmm. of teaching thank you Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was John Henry Newman, maybe, who said that the curriculum is the hearts of the teachers. Mm-hmm. And um, the, uh, there was some motto, I think, in a college that he founded that was uh, heart to heart or, mm-hmm. in Latin. Mm-hmm. Uh, but from, you know, from the heart of the teacher to the heart of the student. That's, mm-hmm. um, that's beautiful. The retreat uh, theme that you've contemplated mm-hmm. um Offering with uh, some some wonderful speakers you've <coughs> been uh, you know talking to, um, does that connect to this? Um, how, what are, what what would be um, um, the organizing principle or the, the the golden thread for the retreat? Yes. So I think so. Before like after the course, that the golden thread weaves together people, places, and time. Mm-hmm. Um, the great community, the human, all of human recording experience. I was thinking that um, a lot of times in our attempt to, in our doing a classical um, curriculum, following one, is that sometimes we neglect um, where we are, mm-hmm. <laughs> so our place. Um, we also neglect our time because we are, we are we're looking, part of tradition is, is um, knowing about those who came before us mm-hmm. and the handing on. But then how are we, um, who are we in this place, in this time, 
with that knowledge? What does that look like mm-hmm. for us? Mm-hmm. So we often say we're cultivating virtue. We're cultivating um, wisdom in our students. But what does it look like? Mm-hmm. <laughs> or not just what does it look like, really, from a sacramental view or vision of things. How does it look? It's a new way of seeing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a new way of understanding. It's a new way of being. So the, with the retreat, I would love to use New Orleans as the first. Cause I think this can be done anywhere. So New Orleans is not uniquely mm-hmm. special in this. It's just that New Orleans is my place and I, I know it very well. Mm-hmm. Um, but that I would love to invite people to come to New Orleans mm-hmm. where we have a speaker who would lead us through... Um, one day would be beauty. Um, we would contemplate beauty together. And then we would go out into the city, have a tour, um, eat together, and then come together after lunch, let's say, and talk about what we saw. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not just like as tourists, mm-hmm. but as people who are seeking to see things anew. Mm-hmm. So the reality of our places are that we encounter unlovely things all the time and mm-hmm. things that are not always beautiful mm-hmm. <laughs> are true. So as we're touring, say, um, a very specific guided tour of an aspect of the French Quarter, we mm-hmm. may encounter um, people that's drug addicted. We may encounter, this someone recently told me, this, like, I went to the French Quarter. I didn't see anything beautiful about it. I smelled marijuana in the air. <laughs> <laughs> you know, people on the street and and I'm thinking like this is a very educated person. Um this person I thought I, I know it's very wise mm-hmm. and is a Christian. I'm like, and you didn't see anything good mm-hmm. or beautiful? Mm-hmm. Like, how is this possible? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I really think that like how is this possible? Mm-hmm. And if we are always talking about these things, and we don't see them around us, mm-hmm. how can they be real? How can mm-hmm. we live this out? Mm-hmm. Or are we living it out? Or are these just propositions in our minds that we yes. are ideas we play with? <laughs> <laughs> so I would like us to get together, talk about the ideas, because the ideas are, are real good and true. Mm-hmm. And then I want us to practice being able to see those things mm-hmm. around us. Mm-hmm. And then I also want um, the retreatants to walk away with something to practice. Mm-hmm. So like really something they can bring into their teacher um, practice with references and resources to look up, but also some contemplative things um, that they can practice to help cultivate this new way of seeing. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. I So I heard you there um, referring to both a way of being in the world, mm-hmm. um, and then also a way of seeing the world. And mm-hmm. it sounds like there's a relationship between those two things. Yes. Um, and, and it is related to the, uh, mm-hmm. you know, to the fact of, you know, blood coming into the heart and leaving the heart, the mm-hmm. kind of two-directional right. reality of um, uh, having a heart that is a place for other persons, that receives other persons, mm-hmm. but also... Um, the capacity to give yourself and to mm-hmm. give yourself into mm-hmm. the hearts of others. And, and you know, it was uh, a little challenging, you know, as you were describing, um, you know, a, a very 
uh, well-educated, you know, Christian person who uh, could not see anything beautiful, uh, mm -hmm. you know, moving through a neighborhood in a historic <laughs> American city. That relationship between seeing um, the beautiful and being the beautiful, is mm -hmm. there, can, am I correct that the, those two things go together? Mm -hmm. How um, have you experienced um, that back and forth? Do you, do you practice both and, and they, they're kind of mutually beneficial? Being present as um, a witness of Christ, yes. you know, a beautiful presence in the world, mm -hmm. and then receiving Christ, right. uh, you know. Right. And then it's from that question of what good could come from Nazareth. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's weird. That's one of the questions um, I mentioned in the Golden Thread course. Yeah. And it comes from scripture. And that's uh, so why I say, though, the Lord is, is from Nazareth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> an accusation right it's an accusation it's like yeah um and the idea that there could be a place where there is nothing good mm. <laughs> like it's, mm. it's also ludicrous at the same time mm -hmm. like there is nothing good um mm. and you're talking about the lord so yeah. it's like yeah and so it made me think um actually to be honest i was in a urban leader um classical situation and the way they were talking about developing schools in urban areas, classical schools in urban areas, it made me think, what good could come from Nazareth? Mm -hmm. Like people that's are when you had the idea. That's when I had the idea. <laughs> <laughs> and then you applied it to your own homeschool. Right. To mm -hmm. how I see the world. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. I mean it's not just them thinking that yeah. way. I could see myself, you know. Yeah. I always you always should be able to see yourself in others. Yeah. <laughs> so let me think, how do I see? Because we're talking about people as if they're a different kind of thing mm -hmm. like they are have a, of a different nature mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so if in classical education we're talking about the nature of things mm -hmm. and all nature being one mm -hmm. that means the people don't have different <laughs> nature <laughs> yeah. see how that should help yeah. us to be to extend this <laughs> yeah a well-educated person should be able to apply these things mm -hmm. <laughs> in multiple ways mm -hmm. and so it's like Wow, we're talking about students like these are different kind of children. Yeah. And how can we educate them? Mm -hmm. So if we can educate these over here in this way, I would think we should be able to apply <laughs> yeah, similarly. So anyway, it made me think yeah. what good could come from Nazareth. Mm -hmm. And the fact that we do not think there is any good. I think in the course I talked about um, my family reading um, Dickens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which one? I can't remember the book. <laughs> Not a tale of two cities with um, Pip. Great, Great expectations. expectations. <laughs> <laughs> we said it together. Right. Yep. And reading Great Expectations yep. and the disdain. Yeah. My gracious. It was, we were so struck. Yeah. And I don't know if we really would have been struck by the disdain if we had not been contemplating what good. The fact mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. it's an accusation. Yeah. And that we're declaring there is no good. Yeah. <laughs> so a, contemplating that question, it helps us to see disdain. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, which is funny because I've been encounter. I pray to Psalms and like we um, are supposed to have disdain towards <laughs> that which is not of God. Mm -hmm. And so I guess some people say, well, that's not of God. So I can just, is the person not of God mm -hmm. or is <laughs> 
which also is a tool you learn in uh, classroom education to learn um, through with logic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in the five common topics and things, we learn how to think more clearly about things. So yeah. it's like we're separating the person from right. the disdainful right. uh, behaviors or ideas that, right. that they're trapped by. Yeah. So it, it helps us to become people who can hold things together. Mm-hmm. So the integrity is within us, mm-hmm. right? And in outside of us. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in the order of the cosmos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's all being held together. Mm-hmm. It's one. And I think um so seeing and being um and understanding that all goes together, which I see is lined perfectly with the trivium, right? It's yep. um grammar is is to know. <laughs> yeah. And so how do we know? And it's like knowing is not enough. <laughs> And that we have to understand, you know, we have to be able to express, to communicate, mm-hmm. which is a, an act of being. Mm-hmm. I think it takes the the practical ideas of behind classical education and it helps them to be um, transformative or transcendent or sacramental. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're made concrete. Yes, they're made concrete. Yeah, in, a, in a particular place, a particular time. Right. And it holds us accountable. Yeah. Um, it should. Yeah. It should hold us accountable. What are uh, a couple of the the best books you've been reading lately? Right now in our homeschool, we're reading um, Henry V. So this year, our question is, um, who do you say I am? Okay. Which I'm interpreting in this moment. And every year, it's like a different mm-hmm. emphasis. So it's not like these questions only have one way of looking at them. Yeah. It's not true. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Um, for me this year, who do you say I am is an identity question. I feel like the society is struggling with identity. My children are, are, are not immune to the issues outside of my home. And I would like to help. And I have three children in college and three in high school. So mm-hmm. I'm very, I'm more geared to really preparing their hearts and mind for, to be out of my home. Mm-hmm. So if I know the whole world is grappling with identity, <laughs> mm-hmm. I would like to share up my children with an understanding and framework of identity um, so that I can let them go mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, and not try to, you know, be the Holy Spirit in their lives or whatever <laughs> else. Part of the thing of not of loving them um, without condition. But mm-hmm. more than that is that, you know, who do who is God? I want you to have a firm understanding of the nature of God. Mm-hmm. And I also want you to know who you are in relation to God mm-hmm. and therefore others in creation in society. And so we, um, Henry V, you know, he wants to be um, the king of France. <laughs> <laughs> Is he the king of France? Is he the legitimate king of France? <laughs> So that's been fun, and I'm using. Uh, <laughs> I was surprised at how fun because um, we had. This is my first time reading it, mm-hmm. and it's actually a fun read. Mm-hmm. And we're using um, the brightest invention of heaven. Um, I forget the author's name as a guide, and he does a really good job of of is Henry the ideal Christian king, mm-hmm. and the idea of mirrors and the uh, reverse reflection. Mm-hmm. That's been really good 
to discuss outside of Henry V and helping us to direct our Who Do You Say I Am? Mm-hmm. So Henry V has been really good on read. I'm also reading, because of the Golden Thread, I'm reading more about the sacramental vision or I'm reading a great book called, I mentioned it um, just a few moments ago, Begin With the Heart. Mm-hmm. I've also been, um, for the last three years, the um, the director of religious education for my church. <laughs> mm, you're a busy lady. Wow. <laughs> you, you work full time, too. Yeah. Well, I have my own business, so my time is a little bit flexible. <laughs> it's a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't, it's, it's crazy, but it's, 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 I'm well supported, let's just say that. But, um. Do you be- have the author of the book, uh, hmm. you just mentioned? Oh, Begin With The Heart, Daniel O'Leary. Daniel O'Leary, Begin With The Heart. Okay. Begin With The Heart. And that's an interesting book, um, I'm going to look through it, but it's actually, it was written in response to the, um, catechesis of England. Mm. <laughs> So the author is, I don't know if he's English, but it's written for the church in the United Kingdom. Okay. Wow. Right. I'm like, we never think about the issues of all mm-hmm. the, we, we um, belong to, you know, a universal church, but we never mm-hmm. think about what's going on in other places. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it's a beautiful, so they're, they're talking about essentially how do we shore up revitalize or make sure we're, tra- we're continuing the tradition of um, what I would call a classical liberal education, mm-hmm. you know, through the church. And he says we have to. It has to be rooted in love. <laughs> um, he It really reflects a lot of um, Caldecott, who was also mm-hmm. English. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought that was interesting. I never thought about what's going on in the church in England. Yeah. Um, so... Those two books are the, my latest um, reads. And I'm trying to think if I've been reading anything for fun. I've been trying to... <laughs> you know, it's hard to read for fun because you, I don't want to stop. Mm-hmm. So I, I'll mm-hmm. read through the night and then mm-hmm. I can't <laughs> function in the morning. <laughs> can't so. <laughs> right, I can't do that anymore. So yeah, I would like to read Frankenstein. I have a friend who recently read Frankenstein and the way she talks about it, I'm like, okay, I will. Oh, yeah. We really need to read Frankenstein. Um, she's like, it will go so well with the questions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that's a good advice. Mm-hmm. Um, that sounds great. Well, maybe if you force yourself to read it with your kids, you won't be tempted to you know, <laughs> stay up all night right, that's finishing what, it. Yes. <laughs> I do a lot of things that way. I, yeah. ma- I make it part of our <laughs> educational efforts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good. Well, thank you very much uh, for your for your time and catching up. And we yes. look forward to some news about the retreat. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it sounds like the time frames and stuff aren't known yet, but... Um, You'll keep you'll keep us posted as you yes. get some new. And I would say, um, if people express interest, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, especially in telling us their best time of the year, they would like to see the retreat. Because mm-hmm. um, the retreat has to be small. So you're looking for some mm-hmm. feedback. Yeah, people I'm definitely to con- looking for people feedback. to con- contact you and yeah, share their so, ideas and yes. what 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 um, jumps out at them and right. times of year. 
Right. So we're looking for 25 people to come to New Orleans to contemplate beauty and memory as we follow the golden thread with a sacramental vision. Very good. Thank you so much, Daniel. (laughs) Yes, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Classical U podcast. Please do check out our website, classicalu.com, and our teacher magazine, Altum. We hope you've enjoyed these conversations with presenters and live learning event hosts with Classical U.